I actually have a guest speaker here tonight. I want to introduce a good friend of mine, Poochie Jones, was we've been talking. He's he's on staff at Duluth Bible Church, a Bible teacher, a song leader, jack of all, many trades involved in a lot of things at Duluth Bible Church, and we've been friends for many years now. Time has a way of flying by, but I had mentioned to him that I'd love to have him come speak sometime if it worked out, and this is when it worked out. So we have him uh, here tonight. I'm thankful that he could drive, make the drive up here and share a message with us tonight. So without any further ado, uh, Poochie Jones. Let me get a little situated here. There's a lot more real estate up here. Take notes, right? All right. And well, while this is opening up, some of you may not know me. My name is Poochie Jones, and I'm not offended if you call me that. That's my nickname. In fact, I didn't even know my real name when I was in, in kindergarten. So here I am, age six. And the teacher goes through everyone's name, and I was the only kid that didn't respond. So she goes, you must be William. I said, no, I'm Poochie. So from, the, from kindergarten, day one, she knew she was in trouble because I was kind of a, kind of a, a wild kid. But uh, 1984, I got saved, heard a gospel from some brethren. They were clear on the gospel, but not clear on the response. And then a few years later, I got cleared up on the responses to the gospel. So from an early age, I had a hunger for doctrine, that wanting to figure out things kept me moving around. After we got married, my wife Angela and I moved um, from college in Illinois back to St. Louis and kept growing and learning and, and going through different doctrinal things. And there was one point in my walk where I just thought, you know, I remember some of the green letters and some of the stuff we were learning. I, I should look that up. So I looked it up, and I was starting to build a little website of favorite pages. And one of those pages happened to be Duluth Bible Church. And so I looked at the website and thought, wow, they got the gospel clear, which I had gotten cleared up on. And they've got some other things clear. And I called and talked to Scott Johnson, he says, what's that name, Pookie? No, Poochie. Okay, Pookie. And so he, it was kind of funny. And, but we eventually, 2004, visited in 2005. We moved up here wanting to be a part of and not just um, read about doctrine, but see it in action. So who knew God was going to move me to the frozen tundra with a bunch of uh, believers who had, you know, warm hearts. So I'm so thankful for being uh, rescued from hell, but even being rescued from that, that life of not knowing how to have victory after after we're saved. But before we start, let's just pray here and, and commit this time and trust this time to the Lord. Lord, we just thank you for a chance to open your word today. We don't deserve your grace, and that's why it's called grace. We don't deserve your love, and it's unconditional. So we know all the the things that are needed for you to to provide for us have been set up by your character, and so we pray that we be responding to what we know about you and able to rest in that and able to be enjoying that because when we do that, that pleases you. And then as we walk by faith and as we worship you, Lord, we serve others with a heart of thankfulness, not out of obligation. So I thank you for a chance to look at this passage, uh, this verse, and may it just encourage us to remember the basics are important. And they have a tendency to um, straighten our 
our ship, so to speak, as we walk by faith. Thank you for this chance in Jesus' name to study your word. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter um, 5, verse 17. Let me just see here if I actually have a... Is this the clicker I'm supposed to use here? This one? Okay. Let's see if it works. Oh, nice. All right. So... 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 is probably one of the most quoted and favorite verses that people don't know they actually love. But 2 Corinthians five seventeen, if you're there, you'll see what it says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So one of the things that's helpful when you're studying the Bible is sometimes to look at additional translations to see how they rendered or interpreted that passage. So here's two more outside of the New King James. You have Barclay, who basically translated it as, the result is that if a man is in Christ, he has been created all over again. The old things have passed away, and lo, they have become new. So he emphasizes here that this person has been created all over again. Mace translates it as, therefore, if any man be a Christian, he is a new creation. The old state of things is changed to an entirely new one. So he, he emphasizes the state of things is changed to an entirely new one. And so we want to look at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter five seventeen, and we want to look at a lot. Even though it's a one verse, there's a lot to unpack here. And we do well to just take, slow things down and see what does it say and what does that mean for me. And so we'll start with the first word, therefore. We see therefore and usually points to the fact that this is a pointing back to something that may have been mentioned already or it could be making a conclusion. But here it's pointing back to verses 14 through 16 where Paul was talking about himself and the believers. In fact, let's just read that if you have it there. Just go back to verse 14. We'll see the immediate context here. It says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who should live should live no longer for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again, therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. So the immediate context of this passage has these truths about our being identified with Christ. Where at? In his death. What truths are we seeing? We're seeing truths regarding our motives. We should no longer live for ourselves and even how we regard others, our judgment of others, including Christ himself. And so this is that before and after salvation contrast. It's regarding people who have been saved and how they view things and how they think as a new creation. And so Paul gives his testimony by using these words we regard. He's telling us that before he was saved, he regarded people according to the flesh, based on maybe things like their appearance, maybe their ethnicity, maybe they're, they're a keeper of the law, they're Jewish or not. He was regarding them on worldly or fleshly standards. 
That was before his conversion. He was using these corrupt standards and he was concluding things even like the fact that Jesus was not the son of God. In fact, he thought Jesus was a criminal to be stopped. And so his perception and his thought underwent this transformation after he got saved. And after his rebirth, that is, he was able to start seeing people and things differently. So his perception and his thoughts underwent a transformation since his rebirth as a new creation. And so when we look at this passage, we're going to see two main points. We're going to see there's something about a new creation. That's the first one. There's something new. And we're going to see that this this passage is going to use a contrast to highlight the unique qualities of the new creation. It does this by looking at the old and looking at the new. So simplify it, let's just say we're going to look at something new today, something true about what is new, and how to live in view of the new you. Something new, something true, and something in view. Well, let's get started here. We see something new. So again, I'll read the verse just to give us some context. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what's new, believer? No, this is where you get to interact. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) No, but I'm asking the question, what's new? According to this verse, you are. You are new. In other words, the new is you. And so if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Believers are new creations. And I know you're saying this is a basic truth. We, we get this. But the problem is we break down in the basics. And so it's, it's good at times to slow down and unpack and examine what we believe. And so you may be thinking, I already know this. I know that if anyone believes in Christ, they have been born again. The moment they believe, they've experienced a new birth. They've been placed in Christ. They're a new creation. I know this already, but again, it benefits us to allow ourselves to slow things down and think a little deeper about this new creation that God has made. In fact, I want to start that discussion in your mind that interaction with this scripture verse by asking you this question. Do you believe this? Do you even believe that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation? Now, I'm sure none of us would disagree with the fact that we're in Christ or that God wants our lives to be different, holy, As we saw in verses 14 through 16, there should be a transformation in character. But we need to dig a little deeper and ask the question, how is that done? Let me ask another question. I see a couple of kids out there. Maybe you kids can talk a little louder and uh, shout out an answer here. Let me ask you this, kids. Why does God make us a new creation? Why does God make us a new creation? When we got saved and became a Christian, why does God change us into something new? Have you thought about that? Does he need to change us? Why not stop at changing our destiny from hell to heaven? That happened when we believed. Wasn't that enough? Why make a new you? Any kids want to 
crack at, give a crack at answering. Why God, why did God make us new? I like to see the squirming. Oh my goodness, he's looking at me. <laughs> I get it. You know, the cliche I heard when I was a kid was, if it ain't broke, don't. Okay, I got three of you. Thank you. you need, so the question is, is there something broke, something that needs replacement in you and me? Does this verse tell us? What does it say? It doesn't say it directly in the English translation, but it does say something that's true of every new creation. Oh, Things have passed away. Old things have passed away. Remember I said Paul's going to use a contrast to set us up to see how we highlight the character of the new creation. He's going to use the old and the new to set us up to help us solidify, to get a grasp on what does it mean to be the new you. And so What's true of every believer? Old things have passed away. The old is gone. Now, when we see this word old, what does it refer to? It refers to ancient, old, original. I like that. This is the original you. This refers to your old man. And I'm not talking about your husband or your dad. I'm talking about all that you wore in Adam. This is the version of you that existed before you became a new creation. And so these old things, these old things being that state of affair that you wore, that state of affair that was broken as a, as a uh, source of righteousness, those old things, which we'll see they're broken as, as we look at other passages, those are gone. Now, according to this verse, the old had to go out of existence, had to leave the scene because it was broken. And so let me explain further here. Jesus Christ had to come for broken people. He had to come and die on the cross because we were guilty sinners in need of a Savior. We couldn't save ourselves unless we were perfect and none of us are. And the wages of our sin are, separ- are falling short of God's righteousness, the separation from God. So a sinner who is separated from God in the time, that, in real time here and now, if that separation is not resolved, when they die, their separation becomes permanent. It continues on for all eternity in hell. So as sinners, you and I could not fix this problem. You and I could not become religious enough. You and I could not do enough good works to resolve this, you and I needed saving or redeeming or rescuing. And again, that's why Jesus Christ was sent as a ransom, as a substitute for sinners like you and me. His death on the cross fully paid for all sin for all time. And God was satisfied with his payment. That's why he rose him from the dead to prove he had accepted his payment then Jesus as a risen Savior can now offer everyone eternal life, the forgiveness of their sins freely. Jesus said this of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this deliverance from death was all based on grace. Now let me say this to us because we hear grace so much in our brains. We hear people complaining about grace being free 
And they say, well, grace, your grace is leniency. No, grace isn't leniency. Grace is provision. God provided a suitable, righteous, sinless substitute to die in our place. The reason why it appears as lenient is because it's free for the taking. It's secured by the payment of Jesus Christ. And so why did he have to remake us? Because the old creation, the old man, the person that I was, did not have the capacity or the potential to please him. We did not need religion. We did not need reform. We needed rebirth as a new creation. Now, I like to get people involved and interactive, but my son was supposed to be here because I knew it wasn't probably anybody. Can I get one kid to run up here real fast? Don't think about it. Just run up. Come on. Run. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You get a free thing. Yeah. All right. What's your name? Anthony. Okay. Come on up here, Anthony. All right. Okay. Okay. Anthony, you, today for the next five seconds, you are a tree. Okay. You're an apple tree. All right. Boom. Okay, Anthony. He is an apple tree. Now, wouldn't it be silly... If, (laughs) you're a really good apple tree. Wouldn't it be silly if I ask him to, let's see here, I'm trying to think of my question here. If I asked you to produce bananas, can you, can you, yeah, huh? (laughs) Just pump out a banana on your hand there. I have apples. Okay, see, he can't be something he's not, right? Now I could go and I could tape it to his head, right? There you go, looks nice on you, want you to show the people there. Nice look, man. Ooh, good job. And as much as I like to say he looks like a banana tree, he's still an apple tree. Now, let's level it up. Let's raise it a notch here. Anthony, there's a huge fire coming here. It's coming right, it's it's only coming right down here and it's going to destroy you. I'm going to pick you up. Help me out, help me out, help me out, help me out. Banana, you're not a banana tree. You're good. All right. Now, I have rescued him. He is not going to be damaged. He's not in danger of the fire. The fire comes by, consumes the banana, but Anthony himself is saved. Now, here's the question. He's been saved, but does Anthony have the ability by being saved to now produce bananas? Can he now start to yield some? He's saved, though. He's he's not going to have to be judged. He won't have to be destroyed. You see, there's a need there still. He's not in danger of judgment, but he still doesn't have the ability to produce a new fruit. You can have the banana and the apple. Thanks so much. All right. Appreciate it, Anthony. You got lunch for tomorrow, man. (laughs) I have to use him again. He's super excited. (laughs) But you got to understand, see, we don't just need to become a new creation. We need a new nature. We don't, I mean, we don't just need to be saved. We need to become a new creation with a new nature to yield a different fruit. And so God's made believers new creations because the old man, Anthony, couldn't do it. He couldn't pull it off. He could be like, and you know what happens if you do that enough? It gets kind of crazy, right? So we need to realize that God wants to do something more than just save you. He wants you to learn who you are as a new creation. I love how Romans talks about the unfitness of our old nature. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? 
Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, and when it speaks of baptized here, it's speaking not of water baptism. And I know we know that. Speaking of being fully identified with Christ in his death. Therefore, we were baptized with him through baptism into his death, just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. There's there's a purpose. Verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly, now look at these imperatives, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection knowing that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. So all those imperatives, I mean, I'm sorry, not purpose, but purpose statements, not imperatives, are screaming that there is a change. Something happened when you believe. What happened? You became associated or identified with his death. Death comes before life in this case. Two amazing things happen. You were associated with his death or, or, or identified with his death and you were identified with his resurrection. So this, this death of Jesus Christ took out the old man, all that you were in Adam, that was crucified, that was done away with. You're no longer a slave to sin. And those are amazing things that we need to ponder more and think about. If this is true, how can I live in light of that? How does that affect me when I wake up, when I think of my challenges? If it's true that these things are true, let them sink in and have free course. And so we've been freed from this. So when you became a new creation, you were freed from the old man. And so now you have a new identity. Your identity used to be old man, old self, old identity in Adam. That person no longer exists. There was a death and it's no longer here. He is no longer here. That was your identity. Now your source, which was the sin nature, didn't go away. But its right to rule over you has ended. It has become rendered inoperative. You become a new creation. Its control over you is no longer, it has no right to you. It's, It's dominion, so to speak. It's claim, it's obligations. All of that was broken the day you died and were placed in Christ. When you believe you were associated with that Christ who went to the cross and then you were risen to new life. All in a split second of believing. So don't get it wrong, the sin nature is still alive and present. It's still as vile and self-righteous as ever. But your relationship to it has changed. As a new creation, you are now fully identified with Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. So let's review what we've talked about so far. What's new, believer? You are. And what's true of you? The old things have passed away. The old things have passed away. The, your, old, your old identity is gone. And that relationship to the old power source, the sin nature, has changed. Its right to rule has been broken. Again, its rule has been 
rendered powerless. Now, this is nothing new for us. We are well-trained and taught. But do we experience that victory? You know, I woke up, not woke up, I'm sorry, I was, it was the Tuesday before I was going to teach this at a family fellowship. And I told my wife, you know, it's Tuesday, I have to be ready to teach Wednesday. And we do our date night on Tuesdays. And I said, can you just come to the office? I got to finish some things. So that was Tuesday. The Sunday before that, we finished up a garage sale and it was so hot. There was that transition a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, where it went from being really hot to being really rainy. And we just, it was too hot. So we said, we're not going to do the, the, the put stuff away now. We'll just leave the tents up. We had two tents we borrowed, had a bunch of tables we borrowed, and we covered everything up. And it sprinkled a little bit, no big deal. But by the time my wife came to church and we were having dinner, she goes, oh, by the way, it's raining and the tables we borrow from church are getting wet. I was like, oh, okay. They're not waterproof. (laughs) Okay, what do we do? Well, when I get done eating, I'll go and I'll put them away. You stay here. I was the nice guy. I'll go do it, dear. So I get done eating. I get in the car and I drive to the house And it looked like a tornado had gone through those two tents. They were all like, and water was everywhere. In a matter of 30 or 40 minutes, everything that we borrowed was either ruined or or super wet. Now, my flesh was like, I'm going to call Pastor Stiegel and say, I can't teach tomorrow. I got stuff to do. And I I almost shifted into that, I got to fix this mode. And and I, I just heard that still small voice saying, say, what are you teaching tomorrow? I'm a new creation. Are you utilizing that new creation? I'm like, no. <laughs> so I sl- sl- settled down in my heart and I just looked at everything. I said, I can't do anything about this. I'm just going to do the basics. I'm going to get back to studying. And it was like my normal tendency to be bent out of shape didn't happen. And so I got to experience, I'm like, I'm a new creation. I have a new mind. I have a, the ability to interact with the Lord. I'm going to take this to him. And I hope that you do that when you're in a situation. I hope that you remember what's true of you so that you can enjoy that old things have passed away. So we've talked about old things have passed away. Let's move on to what's new. Behold, all things become new. The, the, the line starts with the command, behold. It's, a, it's an imperative. God's saying, I want you to take a look. I want you to see something here. What does he want us to notice? those who are in Christ, that all things, everything, entirety, the full extent, the complete things have become new. This have become is they've acquired, they've acquired a new state of being. So that new means it is recent. It didn't just be a a home improvement or a remodel project, he literally created something from nothing or something that didn't exist before. So let's explore that. I love the illustration of the caterpillar. It's this easy picture to see that a caterpillar goes, becomes a butterfly. Literally all things have changed. It goes from nothing to something. And so if you've ever seen one of these emerge, it's pretty amazing. This is the exact same uh, insect on both sides of this equation. This caterpillar goes from one state 
and becomes completely something different, a different state. It's not refreshed. It's not reformed. It becomes something that did not exist before. And we use the word metamorphosis to explain what happens to the caterpillar, though unfortunately it's not in our passage. It's, it's implied. But the question is, when this insect changes, does it have a nature that is different? Is it just a converted caterpillar that likes to look pretty with nice colors? Or is it actually something new? Well, let's just compare it here. Get a little more interaction here. I've got a few things up here that show us the characteristics of caterpillars and butterflies. You can look at those, but let's just focus on three things. You just shout out, how does the caterpillar move around? Crawls. Thanks, family. And my family knows that I can get needy here. All right. You guys can help me out here. How does a butterfly move? It flies. So we look at those two things and we can naturally say, well, there's a difference. Why is there a difference? Because it's a new nature. How does it, what does a caterpillar eat? Eats leaves. I can't even pronounce that word. Herbivorphia, it eats leaves, right? What does a butterfly eat? Nectar. It eats nectar from flowers that are far up. And so why is that? It has a new nature. What does a butterfly see? How many colors does a, I mean a caterpillar, how many colors does it see? It has a simple black and white contrast. And yet, how many colors does a butterfly see? More than us. We see millions of colors. It sees millions upon millions of colors. So why is this true? It's new. It's different. And so what would be odd for you to see is a butterfly just crawling around. What are you doing? You've got wings. You see these people in the background? There's kids in my neighborhood. We could not wait to catch a butterfly. But they didn't crawl like the caterpillars that we caught easily. They would fly away and you'd be running around getting dizzy. They were made to fly. It's dangerous for them not to live in their na- out of their nature. Their primary mode of transportation is flying, though they crawl at times. Their creator had an intention for that new nature. And so it doesn't match where they are to crawl around. Like, as I said, it's dangerous. And so you are a new creation in Christ with many new features and aspects, let's look at a few of those. Let's contrast some of those. When we look at this new creation that you are, we can contrast when we look at the nature that the old man was controlled by the sin and fallen nature, separated from God. But the new man now has potential because he has a new resident he can be influenced and empowered by the Holy Spirit. What about desires? You now have, as the old man, all you had was a craving for the world. It's desires, worldly pleasures. That was the normative. Even if it was moral, it could have been moral, but you were doing it for maybe the, the, the pleasing man. I'm the nice guy. That's how I was before I was saved. But now the believer actually has desires that match the righteousness of God. That desire to actually enjoy God, to rely on God, to please God, 
even to obey God, which we'll talk more about later. And on and on we could go. Another one I want to point out on this next slide is, in your old man, you were squeezed into the mold of this world. You had no choice. That was your only option. Now as a believer, you actually can yield to the Lord and be transformed, Romans 12, chapter 2. That was never an option before you were saved. Why? Because you were an old man that needed to become a new man. You're a new creation. And so if you're a believer today, what would be odd to see you doing? It would be odd to see you crawling around like a converted caterpillar. It would be odd to see you living beneath who God intended you to be. And hopefully that isn't you. Hopefully you're learning who God has made you and what God has made you for. And so this is what's true of you and I. We're new creations. What's in view of that is there's old and there's new. They're diabolically different. I'm no longer who I used to be in Adam. I now have a new nature. And that new nature desires the things of God. So now that things have changed, now that you're new, what are some things to keep in view? Some things that are important for you and especially for young believers. One of the things to keep in view is to remember where the arrows are pointing. You have to remember where the arrows are pointing when it comes to the things of God. So what I mean by that is in the Bible, there are certain things that are true from God's perspective to you. These are certain things that God has declared. They're called declaratives. Maybe declarations would be another way to say it. And these things are things that God says are true. Like our verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a declarative. If you're saved here today, you're a new creation. You can't undo that. That's a declarative. It's a fixed truth no matter what. And then there are things in scripture where God says these are things for you to do. These are imperative. These are commands. These are instructions. And so these things are needed in your life as you are being conformed to the image of Christ and you're serving. And so what do you think we should focus on? Should we focus on all the arrows pointing down or all the arrows pointing up? Well, it's both, but the priority is if we look at this as the arrows pointing down, these are the things God says about me. These are the things that God declares about me. Those are the ones that we need to be established in so that when we respond with the imperatives of Scripture, we have resources to do the things he wants from us. So which way are your arrows pointing? Do you understand that all God has done for you? There's a I think it was Louis, Louis Spurs Schaefer went on a retreat one time and he, he just wrote down everything he found in the New Testament that happened at the point a person becomes saved. And there was 33 things that were fixed truths that don't require anything from us happen the moment we get saved. And so one of them is what we read here. You became a new creation. The moment you believe the gospel, you became a new creation. So we need to start with those de- declaratives and we need to keep remembering them as we do imperatives that there is, a, there is a position and there's a practice. God wants us to live in light of the position that we have, but remember the, the, the uh, resources are from him. And if we're remembering those things, 
it's going to provide assurance. It's going to provide encouragement. It's going to provide promises to attach our faith to. And I say that promises to attach our faith to is because I remember hearing a story about a believer who, if I told you his name, you would just be surprised because he's really an incredible missionary, evangelist. He's someone that really loves ministering to people. But when he was a young believer in college, he wanted to give up. He wanted to stop hearing the word of God. He wanted to stop going to church. And someone ran into him from the college and he said, hey, how you doing? And after saying hello, they said, I haven't seen you. Where you been? You know, I haven't seen you in church. And he said, well, I don't want to fake it. I'm, I'm carnal. That was their term they used. And I don't want to be around being fake. I'm just not going to go. And they said something interesting to him that changed this person's perspective. The person looked at them and said, well, why don't you come to church, hear the word of God, so the Holy Spirit has something to work with. You see, you're not going to have this mystical, oh, now that I'm saved, everything's going to hit me. You come and hear the word of God, not to check the boxes, but to let the Lord have free course in your thinking. If you're humble. And so this person said, I get that and came back to church. And like I said, if you knew who this person was, you like had no idea they ever struggled, which that's just a reality. We all struggle on our way to trusting the Lord more and not that we never stop, but we started to learn his resources are better than ours. But there are dozens of declaratives and scriptures that you could spend all day, all year learning if you want to do a fun homework assignment go to google and 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 google this this statement using the bible list god's declaratives to believers in christ and you will be amazed at that list these are things that are true of you right now or things that you can access right now and so a couple more that we have here one of my favorite ones is from romans chapter 8 verse 1 for there is no there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus which way is the arrows pointing they're pointing down there is no condemnation i do not have to go thinking how do i beat myself up and get my act together that is not god's system for growing me it's grace discipline conviction but no condemnation there's no there's no firing squad i have to worry about do i believe that How about love? When you think of God's love for you, are you convinced like we see in Romans chapter 8? For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8. Are you convinced of that? That's what I need to hear when I'm dealing with people that have hatred or I'm frustrated because I can't get a handle on my resources or whatever I'm struggling with. Arrows pointing down. And so I'm this new creation that needs to learn how to think. You know, this is an interesting thing. When you first, when you see a, a, a uh, caterpillar turn, go into the chrysalis and they emerge for the first time, out of the out of the out of the cat, uh, out of the caterpillar out of the cocoon note this it emerges from the from the cocoon with wings that are wet 
They're too heavy to fly. This new creation has to, sometimes it has crumpled wings. And so it has no choice but to be still. To orient itself to its new identity and its new surroundings. It has to let the, the, the wings dry. It has to pump blood through its body to, to get strength and expand its wings. And so one of the things we tell new believers is, is come out and hear the word of God and learn to grow in grace. Learn to know your God. Learn to know you have a new identity. You have new resources, new privileges. Learn to walk by faith. And as you become familiar with your new surroundings, as you start to learn the word of God, as you spend time with other transformed butterflies, you start to orient yourself towards this new identity. You start to fly. And as you learn God's got your best interests in mind, when the imperatives start to come, when the things that you have to do come, you start with, what has he said about me? What has he given me? What resources do I have? So even though I'm a new creation, even though I have all these things in Christ, I still need to remember I have limitations. And so I want to kind of, as we wrap this up, I want to start to really encourage us to, to think of two things over and over again. There's a posture that God wants for the new creation, and there's a power that God wants for the new creation. Posture and power. When you see a verse like, John chapter 13 says, you have this new command. Oh, no, legal. Commands are legal. Well, well, let's slow down. I give you a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. Oh, reflective love. So you must love one another. I let those arrows coming down from God's love, and I learn to model love. And so this command is something that I can do with the new man, not in my own strength. In fact, I like picking on words that we have in our circles that are all like, like you know, um, fingernails on a, on, a, on a chalkboard. You got to be obedient. You know, because I used to hear that word and I'd be like, oh, that's legal. Screaming legalism before you kick me out thinking I'm a legalist here. Ask the question, what, this word, what does this word mean? To obey, what does that mean? If you look at the word for what it means, it's very consistent with grace. Especially when you look at it in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it's Shema. It means to hear and understand. We always talk about obedience is what you do. But in the strongest concordance, it means to hearken submissively. It's like a waiter. It's like someone coming to you and saying, hey, can I take your order and they're paying attention to you versus being on their phone and talking to people. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on a second. Are y'all going to eat today or not? You going to have some food? Hold on. Yeah, where you at, man? Yeah, all right. yeah, yeah. I'm just working. You ready? That's not being obedient. It's like the last domino is the action, but the first domino, when you have those dominoes, is a submissive heart. It's a posture. So when you see that word obey, don't think, this is the law. Think, am I listening? And what am I listening to? Is it the word of God? Because whatever he asked me to do, he said he'll give me 
the declaratives, the things, the resources to do those if I depend on him. So it's not about trying to do this in your own strength. It's not about willpower. It's about a posture. In fact, I want to use one more illustration here. Can I get one more, one more kid up here real quick? Do I got to get, I get, get my buddy Anthony again? All right. Okay. Oh, here we go. Yeah, come on up here. All right, Gus. All right, here we go. I've always wanted to do this to you. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Sit down right here. Okay, I get the, nope, you got to, this is the hospital bed. I'm going to break your legs. Okay, question. Before I actually illustrate this, you can live for a little bit longer. All right, if this new creation has a new nature, not, not, not Gus, think about this for a second. If the new nature has a battle with the sin nature, if the new man battles with the sin nature, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Now, I was like the first guy when I was hearing this in Romans, like whatever, 17 years ago, I'm like, I got this one. <laughs> new man's going to win that one. Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. New man, that's a good thing, right? A new man is what we have in Christ. And that's, here's, what, here's the key. The new man has desire for God, but not the power. Let me illustrate this. All right, you're back, you're ready? Okay, so Gus has broken legs and, and arms. He can't move. He's at the hospital. Nurse Poochie is here to help. How you doing, sweetie? Good. Now tell me you're thirsty. I'm thirsty. All right, once you get some water then. Now he has a desire what are you waiting? No, you can't even move your shoulders. You, let me break that a little bit. <laughs> all right. Now he can't move at all. So he has desire, but does that desire fulfill his ability to get water? No, he has the desire, but he doesn't have the power. So Nurse Poochie's got to go get him some water. So you need to call for me. I'm, I'm over here working. Call for Nurse. Nurse Poochie. No, a little louder. Now he's expressing his desire. Does that express desire make the water get in his mouth? No. So I represent the Holy Spirit in his life. And his dependency on me allows me to use his desire for God. Now here you go. All right. Good. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. You need somebody to carry you back to your seat? Okay. All right. So the new man has the desire but not the power. And we forget that. Why can't I pull this off? Why can't I? Because you don't have the ability. You have to have the dependability. Or you have, you have to be dependent. And God wants to use your dependency to infuse his power. Paul learned this, Romans chapter 7. In verses 15 through 20, when he said, or 25, he said, For what I will to do, what I desire to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, that I don't want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And this is sin nature. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. I can't pull this off. For to will... The desire is present with me, but how to perform 
what is good I do not find. For the good that I want to do, I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, I don't want to do it. That's what I'm doing. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. It's that dependency on the sin nature or the Holy Spirit that makes a difference. So he says in verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God. I love his word according to the inward man. That is my desire. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. <sighs> oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, through my dependency on the one that's in me. So then with my mind, I may myself serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. He contrasts it. He gets the arrows pointed in the right direction. He sees the difference. And so we have to be careful here not to think, okay, I'm a new creation. Get to it. No, new creation has to be dependent. It's a posture and now the power source. To see this even more clearly, we see it, it when we look at the word metamorphosis. We have two different words in the Greek for metamorphosis. You have metamorpho, pho, which is what we use when we're talking about the metamorphosis, and metaschema. The top one is what is done to you. The bottom one is what you do to yourself. It's a huge difference between what you do and what God does. One is active, one is passive, one is, is a counterfeit, and one is genuine. Second Corinthians shows us the counterfeit version of it when we look at what Satan did. It says, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 13 through 15, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers. What are they doing? Metaschema, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. They're not really apostles. They're faking it. And no wonder. Why? Because their big example, Satan himself, Meta, meta schema transforms himself into an angel of light. He's not an angel of light. He's an angel of darkness. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also play the game, transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to the works. And so they are changing, disguising, looking like something they're not. That is self-transformation, but it's not genuine transformation. Versus when we see when God does the work, instead of us doing the work, it's a permanent transformation or a real genuine transformation. And so when I'm struggling, my bent isn't to go to the bar. My bent isn't to lay one on town and be evil. My bent is to transform myself, put myself in that front row, put my tie on, sit nice and say, I'm doing better than that dude. And I like to play the game. That's how I was. I grew up just being a people pleaser. And that's phony. And God's not wanting that metamorphosis. He wants the metamorphosis of the heart where he does the work. And so we have to remember those arrows again pointing up or down. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face beholding, arrow going up, as in the mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. 
passive word. It's done to us, arrows pointing down, into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. So just by the Spirit of God means when I glaze at God in that mirror, I get to have God's reflection. I get to see him transform me. Another version that is Romans chapter 12 too. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. There's arrows down. I'm not going to be conformed, arrows up. That's the imperative, but the arrows down is how? By the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we need to remember, God is going to do the work in us as we depend on him. We're a new creation. We have new uh, features and attributes. And this is not a question of getting in a game. The question is learning to walk by faith. And as we do that, God can work in and through us. And some of you guys have seen this before. But three tenses of salvation has a similar thing. Like I said, this passage 2nd Corinthians does not actually use the word metamorphosis it uses new creation when you look at Romans so that that would be this is the first justification at a point in time you believed and you became something you weren't but then metamorphosis that we saw in 2nd Corinthians 3:18, as we behold him he transforms us that sanctification and then one day Romans 8 29 will be made into the image of Christ not God-like, but without the restrictions of a sin nature. That's what's coming. So we're just starting when we get saved, this metamorphosis journey. And as we walk by faith right now, instead of crawling around, instead of being ignorant or rebellious against that new man or the desires of the new man, we're yielding to God and we're letting him do the work on the inside out. And remember the power source. I'll use one more illustration for power source. All right, I need a really strong person to come up here. One, oh, see, Anthony jumped up. He's like, I got this. Okay, all right. So, Anthony, I got a really cool thing for you to do here. Come all the way up here. All right, and you, you got to stay like this the whole time. You ever done backwards lunges or backwards lunges? No. You know, you go like this. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't get too ahead of yourself. All right. Okay, here you go. All right, so I want you to do 25 of them. Okay, we'll do the first one together. Ready? Okay, all the way down, deep knee, deep knee. Yep, okay. That's half of one. Okay, let's do the other half. We only got 25 to do. We, okay, there we go. That's one. Okay, keep going. You got 25 to do. We got time. My clock says I got at least three more minutes, so keep going. You're doing hot. He's doing amazing. Keep going. Come on. Yeah, I see. You got some skills there. You're up to two and, two and a half. Keep going. It's going to be a while, folks. Okay. Oh, man. You're up to four. Okay. Now, here, hold on. Bring it on up. Now, give me the weight. Okay. Keep going. Is that a little easier? I guess. Keep going. Keep going. I think it's easier. Now, here's the key. You can stop. Jesus Christ was his sin bearer. The Holy Spirit is his burden bearer. He's not not having responsibility. He's to allow the Lord to take that burden. And so some of us are like, grace is just all about not having anybody tell me what to do. It's leniency. It's like, no. The requirements of God 
God wants to do those in and through you. But you got to do the, you got to do the lawn. You got to get in the game in the sense of walking by faith. Let the Lord undertake for you. That's what he wants to do. I can't give this one to you. This one isn't mine. All right. Sorry about that, bro. Thank you. All right. Thanks, now, Anthony. That kid is cool. I like him. So, so what's new, believer? You are. What's true? All that old is gone. Who you were in Adam is no longer the issue. The new has come. Are you utilizing that? Do you know it? Maybe you're in that stage where you just need to let the wings dry and you need to be still and you need to hear God's voice. You need to remember greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ. Maybe you need to get oriented in those things. Don't be afraid to come to a believer that's been transformed and flying around for years going, how do I get off the ground? I'm crawling on the ground. Don't be afraid to tell people you don't get it. You guys have Friday morning Bible study. You have opportunities to, opportunities to be transparent in your transformation. Let that be okay with your growth. I don't care if you're 100 years old, you still need to grow. God has you here for a reason. Now, if you are Growing in grace, keep being transformed. But find some butterflies that are struggling. Hey, bro, you ain't supposed to be on the ground. What you doing down there? Well, I'm looking for leaves. <laughs> um, we're, we got a little better appetite up here. Let's, let's get this young pup. To, come on, bring him one of them leaves. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah, well, that, now here's the beauty of when you look at a butterfly, the very thing that should take it out, if it was a caterpillar, would blow it around the wind actually is needed in its life. Your trials are needed for God to show you how to utilize who you really are. Don't be afraid to grow. Don't be afraid to step out, but let it be in alignment with his word. Let him who's in you be greater than he's in the world. So that's what I have for you tonight. Let's hopefully that encouraged your heart. Hopefully you're reminded of some things and you are remembering your new creation. That happened at a point in time when you believe the gospel, but now God wants to continue to metamorphose you as you depend on him, transform you. And one day you'll be conformed to the image of his son at the resurrection. And so that is amazing. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for all these things that we have because of Jesus Christ. What a privilege it is to be in him. We're in Christ, not in crisis. We have new life. And we'll, we can't even pull it off, Lord. You had to do all that. And even the, the life you require of us after we're saved has to still be done by faith. Help us to let you do the metamorphosis, not the meta schema. Help us to cooperate with you. And as the trials of life come, which they're coming, may we just look to you and be transformed in the midst of that. Not looking at the circumstances, but looking at our Savior. And as we see him more and more, may you get all the glory. May people be impacted as we worship you, serve you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.